happy this is a strange feeling (laughs) it's like i've got to get back on my gimp suit we have to go back to punishment (laughs) is this what jesus felt like (laughs) (laughs) dude wait Ah, sam you do know that the cokes are cousins of ilsa coke the bitch of buchenwald right i do now the wife of the comic for listeners who are not did not go to Hebrew school in New York. Like me. The bitch of Buchenwald was the woman who made lampshades out of human skin and was oh, the I wife of the comp. Wait, didn't know. Okay, everybody get the internet and go the same way that Raph yells at me when he's trying to disprove my Shinto faith um, <laughs> by telling me to look <laughs> things up. Listeners, I strongly recommend looking this up. Oh, God. Dear listener, Asher's the worst. I know. Look it up. Look it up. (laughs) (laughs) Worst member of Robot House. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the house, fellow robots. I'm your host, Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Alan Sussman. Hello. The Honorable Sam Lazarus. Goodbye. And our lawyer, Raphael Ruttenberg, ESQ. And today we are talking about... Top of the morning, do ye? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so today we're talking about Children of Men, the 2006 Alfonso Cuaron Nightmare. I fucking love this movie. Yeah, it's really good. It Has was, anybody read the graphic novel? Or? No. No, I haven't read the book. Is it a graphic novel? I thought it was like a proper novel. Uh, I think it's, it's a based on novel. a novel. Yeah, oh. I think it's based on a novel novel. I think there's a crossword puzzle. Have you read the crossword puzzle? (laughs) I have. Yeah, but it was all blank. (laughs) (laughs) This is a waste of time. (laughs) Call me back when it's filled in. Give me a break. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't come here to do What is this shit? (laughs) No word thinking. (laughs) All right. um, So, I don't know. Initial thoughts about the movie, guys? Terrible. Alan had, for those of you who can't see us, which Alan, is most of you. Which is those of you not on Patreon. <laughs> you're not on Patreon. You can't see us. If you're on Patreon, <laughs> we will patch you into the recording somehow. That would be actually, that would be an amazing Patreon bonus of just like, yeah, you can come and hang out while we tape an episode. <laughs> you can uh, tape veto. the show <laughs> instead <laughs> of us. <laughs> I would pay to... Um, to not be here. I would, <laughs> I would pay to tape an episode of Serial. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just fucking go for it. <laughs> it's like, hi, I'm Sarah Koenig. Who stole Finn, the dog, from my neighbor? <laughs> Is that what she sounds like? Honestly, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty, pretty good. solid. That's yeah. just my NPR voice. Yeah, yeah, it's huh? the same voice. Right? Um, yeah. So I don't know. Initial thoughts. I mean, this movie is pretty. It's the future NPR listeners want. <laughs> it was. It's. It's a gorgeous movie. It's. It's. It's beautiful. It's. It's lyrical. It's. It's a pleasure to to look at. Um, it's incredibly well acted. There's a lot. Of, a lot of good stuff about this. Just it's on pretty the immersive. Cinematographic. I, I really f- like. You feel the the panic and the you know, terror. Well, yeah. Thoroughly. As a piece of cinema, it's pretty hardcore like beautifully constructed and the the reason that or one of the ways that it like so effectively and i think we'll talk about this a little bit more that it so effectively communicates panic and terror is that there are so many long tracking shots in this movie right 
that are fucking bonkers. Like when I think about the amount of choreography that had to go into, I mean, yeah, it took me a while to pick up on that. But yeah, there were a lot of those shots, like the flaming car scene and the. the, No, I noticed. I noticed that immediately. Oh, that was that's wild. Yeah, that the chase scene. No, I mean you have you notice it immediately. I just mean it. I didn't clue in to why. I was so, you know, because it just like grabs yeah. you. It's just no, like, I'm, you're I'm in the, the same way. So thoroughly. I'm the same way. Like, I don't really like speak the film, like the, the, the film language of like movie yeah. making, cinematography, and all that. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, a lot of like just long tracking shots. You know, there's no Must cuts, have been right? a That's really what that means. Tough right? one to, sh- to shoot. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, whole, that whole scene where he's like uh, running to the building, right? Yeah, there are. To yeah. get the uh, three. The pregnant woman. Well, there are three really like heavy tracking shot scenes in the movie. The first one is the opening scene, right, where there's a bombing. Hang on, so let's should we just yeah. break into the whole movie as as like a whole? Well, I just want a plot tag. summary. Oh yeah, just, just what what effect does that have of of all the long tracking shots? I think yeah, like what, what like what is like that? Psychologically. Yeah, I think it it takes you into the world of the movie and it makes you feel like you can't catch a breath. Yeah, because you're essentially you're immersed in this world, like. When we're so used to seeing cuts, and what cuts basically do is we go, oh, okay, I'm watching a constructed world. And when you see a movie that's like these incredible too long many tracking cut, when shots. When there's too many cuts, it, it, it becomes unreal and it is jarring a little bit, right? Right, which, you know, and that can be its own thing and that you can use that as an effect. I mean, that's what like music video does as an art form. It's like a lot of cuts to give you a different kind of surreal feeling. And this is like hyper-reality, right? It's like you are not going anywhere. You are... And... Also, the camera is like handheld in a lot of these, so mm-hmm. it's like I think that there are some transitions where it goes from being like on a dolly to being handheld. There's a ton of handheld camera work in the movie as well, yeah. which is another thing to give it that lived-in vibe. So, like you know, again, it's it's the idea of like who is the observer on these scenes, and and what is that observer's point of view telling us to feel as a viewer? I don't know. I mean, you know, that's the the sort of film school day three. I kind of question. felt like a lot of those things, like the long tracking shots or like the big scenes where, you know, there's like hundreds of extras, like with the refugees or the people like attacking the car. Yeah. They kind of detracted from the from the movie a little bit to me. Like it really? was kind of like show offy. Huh. Like, like look at this thing that we can accomplish with like, you know, the magic of, you know, movies these days. Actually, one of the shots that, really got in my head was they're on the bus and like they're driving by at first it's it's like i guess she gets taken off the bus or something and then they drive by there's like people lined up and then after that there's people lined up but they've got hoods on hang on let's 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 give these scenes some context because that's another really important tracking shot yeah that basically plays out in the background so for those of you guys who haven't seen the movie and i would say this movie checks a lot of my favorite boxes, although in revisiting it, I think I liked it a little bit less than when I originally saw it. I think it, when I originally saw it, it totally blew my mind. Um, and on reviewing, it's still a pretty great film. I think that there are some flaws in it that whatever. Impossible. Yeah. Um, but th- the premise of the movie is essentially, it's is it 2027? That sounds about right. It's around 20... 20- Do they say? Maybe at the beginning. They they say say at the beginning. Yeah. I forget what, what year it is. It's about 2027, so the not-too-distant future. And w- the the movie opens with uh, a news broadcast about the murder of the youngest person on Earth. And what we're, what we're shown is like a, a portrait of the planet. 
18 years after humans have stopped being able to produce children and the world has descended into like insane chaos and uh, I guess like war everywhere essentially. And the only state that's still really standing is England, but it's like a lockdown insane police state. We don't actually know that that's true. That England is a locked. Oh, that the rest yeah. of the world like is to me that felt like 1984 a bit, where it's like, because there's that broadcast close to the beginning where they're like, "Only Britain, Britain soldiers, soldiers on. on." Yeah, it's like, well, you know, it's hard for me to believe that the whole world is in chaos. There's nowhere else where there's stability, and somehow Britain is the only place. <laughs> you know, like yeah, you know, it's interesting because yeah, um, it, that reminded me Thanks. a little bit of um. Oh shit! What was the name of that movie? Uh, Dumbo. No, no, no. Some twenty-eight days later. Is oh yeah, twenty-eight yeah. days I later. Just, I couldn't remember the number of days. Tw- it's twenty-eight days later. Okay. Yeah. I don't even think it's even in the same league as Children of Men, but it's it's interesting, Intr- cool premise. Um, but it's the same idea that uh, you know, only like the the world has collapsed, um, and uh, there's there's no point in trying to escape. Uh, Britain, the uh, the British Isles, because the rest of the world is also infected with this, the zombie virus. Um, but at one point, you know, one of the characters is on his back and he sees an airplane right. hop, uh, exactly. way up overhead and he's like, he laughs because it's like they've clearly been lied to, they've been duped, and this is just like, you know, a, a, a way of keeping Britain, um, the British Isles, quarantined is to right. have this this pervasive lie. There's this sort of like oh. communications blackout, right? I which I thought was that. like I thought that was one of the, the best parts of that movie. Mm-hmm. I think that movie had a lot of flaws, but I thought that was kind of cool. It's like they just sort of snuck that, and they didn't need to. It was a cool little, uh, yeah, you know, just like yeah. Like we it should made, it, it broadened oh, wait, the idea 20, a little bit. Twenty eight days later, twenty eight yeah. days later. Oh, okay, yeah, we should we that. should cover that on a future Not episode. Days. We could do that. <laughs> yeah, my favorite movie. Um, yeah. But I I guess it's funny. I didn't even think of that. I'm such a rube that like I completely <laughs> took them at, at their word. I'm like, well, if they say that the rest of, of the world either. is in chaos, it must be in but chaos. But you know, like, you know that, that there's more other places. Supported. I think it's more, su- this, there's certainly like a lot of the world is in chaos. I mean, I think it's probably right. safe to assume that Europe is in total chaos. Right. It would be hard to hide that fact from Britain. That, yeah, right? I think But it that could be that there are still, like, in America. If you lived in, like, Montana or New Zealand yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just, like, on or your Africa sheep farm somewhere. chilling yeah. out. And also, they never really explain in the movie, like, where the chaos comes from. Well, I mean, I guess yeah. you're meant to assume that it's just panic. Well, that's one of my and favorite. despair. Yeah. I mean, that's the amazing thing about this movie. Well, right. that's one of the best things about this movie yeah, is how little exposition there is. Um, you know, it doesn't burden itself down with narrative because there is, is, is and this is be really a common theme with some of the better movies is that they allow the, um, they give the imagination free reign. So it's like, it, it's, uh, it's like, it like tickles your imagination, you know, it like, yeah, it, it's it, like it inspires something, allows you to, to, to dream a little bit, um, yeah. about what's going on. And the fact that they didn't feel the need to explain exactly how we got to this point you get a sense of it though you get a sense of these events unfolding and that i don't think that it's it, 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 in this world it's plausible that uh you know th- this could be a deliberate lie from somebody well that, it could be a simplification right yeah i and, mean like and and we, absolutely tons fact, of propaganda we know. we know it's a propaganda wait, yeah, right. couldn't it be a total lie we know that like, they're I mean, not a total lie but 
It could be true that there are places... Uh, yeah, like at the end of the movie, we find out that there is a group with survivors, and they're outside of Britain. They, they come yeah. and hang pick on, them up. Hang on, Sam. People well, probably do, do, we, do we find we that don't, out? Yeah, hang we on. We don't let's, know. Let's, let's dig through. Yeah, so Go. essentially... Oh, wait, I had a point. Oh, oh. good. <laughs> Just one? It was a, a follow-up to what Raph said about how um, like the best movies that we see, um, you know, they leave a lot. They don't explain a lot. Um, but I think another reason that why they do that is sort of, uh, I think that we all have our particular fears maybe about how the world's going to end, how the world's going to get, how the world could get to a point like this, right? Yeah. So we can all kind of fill that in, our, you know, with whatever our particular fear is, I think. Like they're not really explicit about it. Yeah. I think it makes it almost more believable because yeah it does necessarily when you're putting the exposition out there and you're constructing like a very like a i guess overly fleshed out narrative like a very laden narrative you sort of you can see through it because it is a movie and you're just like oh that's the narrative for the movie and then it becomes (laughs) less, less impactful you're just sort of like okay i get it point a to point b that's how they got there. All right, whatever. But if it's sort of left open, um, if it's if it's a void that you can like, yeah, like Alan said, you know, you could project some of your own thoughts or feelings into, then it is, you know, in this case, unsettling. I don't know if it's uh, a lot of science fiction is unsettling. I guess that's one thing that it is. But it's just like you're able to fill it in with your own mind, and that makes it a lot more exciting and activates something. And I think it, and it, you know, uns- being unsettled or fearful or excited, you know, any of those. Well, one of the things that you guys are talking about here, when when you leave a narrative open in areas, your viewer, if you do it right, and if it's well-constructed, your viewer wants to fill in those gaps, right? Right. And in filling in those gaps, your viewer has actually tethered themselves to the story. And so that now they own part of the narrative that they're seeing and it's speaking to them in a way that it wouldn't. And I guess like a more famous example of this would be like grifters rather than come up to you and construct a story that fills in every single detail. They leave some of it. They leave some of the details out to tease it out of you. And when you've constructed it yourself, it actually becomes a much more believable thing. I think that guy Clark Rockefeller was like a really famous example of that. Do you know about him? He was like, I don't forget his actual name. He's like an East German dude who was like a famous grifter and it turned out he was like a murderer, but he made his way into high society in New York. It's a cool story. He pretended to be a Rockefeller, right? Yeah, he pretended to be Clark Rockefeller and like, you know, got his name on like the donation list for, I think his name is like carved into the wall of the Met on their like heavy donors list and shit. But yeah, it's the same, it's the same thing that they do in Alien, right? It's like, you don't know how we got to this point. You don't know who the shadowy figure in the background is. And that makes it more interesting. So, um, were we doing a plot? Yeah, we were doing a plot breakdown. Okay. So, so we start the movie with some exposition about a sense of how the world's collapsed and how Britain is claims to be the only state that's still functional in the face of no one having children anymore. But, that like their degree of functionality is completely fucked. Am I failing on this, guys? No, no, that's right. right. Yeah, I they, mean they, they've sort of like um, collapsed into like the, the this intense hyper Brexit, hyper authoritarianism, <laughs> hyper totalitarianism. Yeah, uh, which is 
martial law, basically. It's super anti-immigrant. Hyper-surveillance. Like, yeah, they're rounding up all the, the immigrants, and they call them fish in the movie. Is that right? The fish, the fishes are um, the rebel group. Oh, the fishes are the rebel group. What what do they, they call? Them? Is that a Jesus? Fugies. Is that Fugies. a Jesus? Yes. Reference? There's a lot of Jesus reference in this. Ah. We'll get to it. Yeah. There's, I mean, look, th- I, and I think this was the thing about the movie that kind of struck me in seeing it again as less good is that a lot of the references, a lot of the dialogue is super heavy-handed. There's a lot of stuff that's deep on the nose, right? I guess. I think the movie moves so fast and it does something else that's one of my favorite things in a movie is it's 90 minutes long. <laughs> like, done. Yeah. Um, and it feels 90 minutes. It's great. Uh, yeah. So the movie starts w- with Clive Owen kind of navigating this bleak world. He still goes to work, which like I kind of understand just for anybody who's ever been in like crisis mode in their own life, like at least for me when shit was really going off the rails, like showing up to work was kind of the only thing I had. So it's like, yeah, why wouldn't I go to work? But he still needs money, right? Yeah. I don't understand. I mean, what this. are you are you suggesting <laughs> that once things go to <laughs> shit, everyone money? will just quit? work and become marauders like what i kind of I, you wouldn't i mean no i would i would not you would still go to your job well i might not go to my job because <laughs> I, I you know i don't know your if job. i would still have that job right but you would go to you couldn't see yourself in a post-apocalyptic future not going to work like well it would depend pretty depends. heavily on how bad the apocalypse yeah was. exactly didn't seem like things got to that point, right? Yeah, which is lots of people are still working, <laughs> and goes back to that idea of like it's easier to imagine the end of the world than it is to imagine the end of capitalism, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where it's like the world is like falling apart around them, and they're still like, "Well, what am I going to do for money other than go to work?" And it's like, have you ever thought about money doesn't matter anymore? It seems like it's hyper regimented. And one thing I like about this is that it's it like is also hyper british like they really went in this yeah. like intense oh, yeah, Anglo totally. direction yeah. um like the point when he goes to visit his cousin uh clive owen theo goes to visit his cousin and uh it's in this like sheltered uh p- sort of like private garden an english garden there's like the 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 regimented uh the troops you know and they're like full regalia you know, it's yeah. like it, there's uh, there's like a, a military band. Well, he drives through the gates and he's essentially in what looks like, you know, Knightsbridge or like a posh yeah. British neighborhood. That part actually reminded me a lot of uh, Silent Green. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Where like the wealthy people, there's like this insane class divide. Yeah. 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 Or and a boy and his dog, where there's like this underground <laughs> utopia. Oh yeah, all these these like very sort of like uh, false utopias that are you know just be beyond the, utopia beyond the gates. Yeah, we're like an inch away from yeah, like exactly. complete and unpunished like anarchy. Everything is just ducky. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, well, I'll have my tea now, Jami. Get on it. You know, <laughs> you there. Um, yeah. So early in the movie, Clive Owen gets contacted by his former wife who he's become estranged from, who is... He gets kidnapped by her fish henchman. Yeah, who's now... She's now the leader of a rebel group. So essentially... We don't know she's the leader. Yeah, they... When she... I think she was the leader. She's the leader. 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 The leader. dies, they elect a new leader. Yeah, it's it's made clear... There's a few times they mention her being the leader. So he gets kidnapped by his wife, who's the leader of this rebel group. And it seemed unclear what their goal was. And I thought that that was kind of like... 
who the fuck are these punks? Like, once I mean, again... Presumably they're trying to break the fascist rule over Britain. Yeah, but no, they like also said something. They shitheads said, Initially they said, like, that they were against, um, like, the immigration rules, right? Okay, yeah, they're, they're right. against the immigration rules. So, like, that's something... I, I just keep fighting until Britain changes those rules or something like that. Yeah, but it, it just seemed so... And this whole movie, I guess this is one of the main points of the movie, is that like it drills into your head how beside the point kind of any action against your fellow humans is, right? Like we are living in the face of constant death, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether it's, you know, disease or cars or war or whatever. And like why, what are we wasting our time for fighting amongst ourselves? Like we are at the brink of complete and utter collapse. Did uh, you guys not get that as like a sort of a huge overriding theme of this movie? You're, the way you phrased it was confusing to me at the beginning. But oh. yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so so it's like their their war is somewhat just against the British government, which is like, you know, stop rounding up refugees and putting them in camps. Like stop, I don't know, being an authoritarian state and... What else do they want, really? Is there fish. A- but it's fairly superficial that um, the fishes, the, the revolutionaries, are ideologues and they're not above dehumanizing people in the service of their revolt. They're not above... I mean, like, that is what this yeah. what this it movie is about, I think, more than anything else, is dehumanization. Literally and figuratively, dehumanization because there's no more humans popping out of uteruses. Yeah, dehumanization in the sense that people are not treating each other as one should treat humans, which is, um, I think, very, uh, uh, very resonant today yeah. with our present debate on immigration. If you want to call it a debate, yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I find, I find that like this sort of like CNN centrist idea that there's a debate on immigration as opposed to like there's uh, crazy people. <laughs> it's like this rabid, rabid mouth foaming nationalism versus like. People are like, hey, Don't humane, do that. humane treatment of people. I mean, we we can try it. This is something I, I lost my shit on somebody because they were talking about like both sides of the anti-vax argument. And I was like... Don't I don't want to hear the words both sides anymore. You there are no more arguments just, with both sides. <laughs> We're d- I'm done you know with what? that. Actually, there is truth and there is objective truth. Um, yeah, I'm ju- I'm just. Uh, but basically, yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it's like I'm I'm sick of the people who are thoughtful about these things questioning their point of view and the people who are fucking morons about these things not questioning their points of view. Sure. Motion to close yes. debate. Do I have a second? Second. So fairly early on in the movie, Clive Owen gets tasked. We're still fairly early. <laughs> yeah, dude, what we are. Movie are we Pull! We've got an, almost an hour of. Do you call this footage? Tape. Fairly early on in the movie, Clive Owen gets gets kidnapped by Julianne Moore, and who's the leader of this rebel group, um, the Fishes, who are ostensibly against the British government for deporting refugees and for being an overall general like military nightmare state a hot mess a hot mess for not serving tea on time um so clive owen gets tasked with transporting this girl from london to the sea i think it's brighton but i'm not sure it's not 100 percent, right um and english listeners do they have twitter in england yeah they have no. twitter in england tweet at us tweet at us tweet at us yeah <laughs> at twitter good cup of tea <laughs> Um, at Earl Grey hot <laughs> um, <laughs> with milk 
yeah. and shuggies. <laughs> so I guess in the course of transporting this girl, there's basically just one scene really quickly. I mean, I think it's the opening, not the opening, but it's like, it's the... It's the opening scene. No, it's the We're middle of... We're at the opening of... scene of the movie, you guys. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like right after we meet the girl. Oh, they they got to get the girl to a boat. They've got to get the girl to a boat. Because she's, she's pregnant. And the boat we don't is know. run by the... We don't know if this is true or not, but the boat is run by the Human Project, who are oh, maybe, possibly... Maybe in the Azores or something, yeah, which we don't are know. islands, because you guys clearly have no idea about <laughs> you anything. You guys are fucking fucking <laughs> <laughs> The amount of historical geographical literacy is pro- fucking profound. Wow. I'm glad this is. I'm glad this isn't a world history podcast because because <laughs> your co-hosts are because like, I would I would uh, I would murder like so, a collection of squid. Yeah. <laughs> um. In transporting this girl very quickly into her transport, there's this unbelievable scene that is all one take. It is fucking yeah. bonkers, right? Uh, is it all one take? I'm really? pretty sure. Uh, there are a couple of like where the camera switches directions. No, it turns within. That's after they leave the car. But within... Okay. So they're transporting this girl... And they get attacked by a flaming car that gets pushed down a hill. And they get attacked by what seems to be kind of out of nowhere bandits. And Julianne Moore gets killed. They they try to stop the car. And eventually they get pulled over by the police. And then they murder the police and drive away. Yep. It's the first yeah. of two times that Clive Owen fucks a guy up by hitting him with a car door. <laughs> That's true. A special move. Yeah, that is his special move. <laughs> oh, yeah, that scene was great. Yeah. So they go to a safe house where the girl reveals to Clive Owen that she is pregnant with the first human child that's been born in 18 years. Uh, and now we sort of know the stakes of the movie. The first what? pregnancy in 18 the years. The first pregnancy in 18 years that anybody knows about. Um, <laughs> Spoiler, the yeah. child is born. It's a girl. Uh, yeah, so then the rest of the movie is about Clive Owen trying to get this girl and her baby to the human project who are uh, supposed to be restarting human life from zero and figuring out why uh, humanity is now infertile. Um and to do this, they have to sneak into a refugee camp. And the movie is, is basically oh, is a is that chase. what the Human Project is doing? They're, like, trying to figure out... Yeah, why. And trying to, like, restart I think civilization and... Trying to figure I out why. it's ambiguous. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's... They're semi-mythical, and they remain semi-mythical throughout. You do see that there's a boat. Yeah. You don't know... <laughs> you're not ex- the boat is not explained. Yeah, well, b- before... A lot we, is not explained. I didn't get the idea that they had anything to do with, like trying to figure that kind of thing out i thought they were just a great place to live <laughs> that wasn't oh. i don't know I, th- I thought somebody says it as an aside like before we i thought they were just collecting people to start a new colony once humanity on the azores once humanity dies out i'm gonna start this started a so utopian it? civilization you heard the, the children's voices when it fades to black at the end, right? Yeah, I did hear that. Okay, so that's what that implied to me. But it's, you know... It's I think it's left open to interpretation. It's, but yeah, it's open. It's not It's not ironclad. Yeah, so... Wait, that implied... Uh, we'll talk about it So, later. yeah, so Clive Owen is trying to, to take her to this boat, the Tomorrow, and they're basically being pursued by soldiers from Julianne Moore's rebel group, the Fish, and the cops, because they're now all wanted by the police for murdering these two guys... 
and they sneak into a refugee camp, which is the point from which they're supposed to get to the ship. Um, and that's yeah. where everything kind of hits the fan. Uh, There's like a revol- like a revolt inside the refugee camp, right? Yeah. Like somehow bombs drop on the refugee camp, opening up a wall, right? Which starts well, to cause a also, revolt. I think it, sorry, I, don't, I, I hate to rewind a little bit, but... I think it's important that there is also there is a rift within the fishes. Um, it right. becomes clear Clive Owen overhears a conversation, uh, causing him to escape from the escape. So he's so he's initially just transporting this girl. They get ambushed. Then they find a safe house, and they have to escape from the safe house with the girl and her the midwife, who, the, who turns out is a midwife, um, and actually gives a little little interesting color to the backstory later but she's telling the story about how she just you know in one of those memorable scenes she's like i noticed in my date book seven months afterward there were no scheduled births and i called my my friend in sydney and it was the same thing i just i just kind of like that it resonated yeah um but there's a rift in the fishes uh julianne moore was executed by another faction that wanted to use um key's baby as a means to start the revolt to publicize it and start the revolt on um, the uprising the intifada um <laughs> against uh ag- ag- against uh, the british government against, against the british government yeah yeah because ostensibly this baby is so key the the woman who's pregnant is black and and ostensibly this baby is a refugee um and and so the fishes want to use this baby as a sort of symbol or a flag some they, fishes they, do. I think some they fishes literally smuggle her out some yeah. fishes want to use her as a symbol yeah, exactly. Um, and so that's that's part of the conflict. And then there's the external conflict of the government chasing after them for having murdered these police and having been in league with Julianne Moore after they find Julianne Moore's body. Um, and so this journey leads them to the government refugee camp, which we also find out on our way there is going to be, quote, liquidated, which basically just means bombed. Um, and so there's this is the... I guess this is the, the third kind of beautiful tracking shot of the movie is when they're being brought into the concentration camp or the refugee camp and Key is starting to go into labor at the same time. Mm-hmm. And essentially all of the information here, and I just this, Sam, you brought this up earlier yeah. in the podcast, all the information here is being conveyed through, they're on a bus with sort of like lockdown windows, which I'm sure listeners, you guys have probably seen these buses on the highway of like NYPD buses or whatever. And you see like the corrections. Yeah. Corrections buses. So it's like a school bus except with caged windows and through the windows, you can see people being processed at this facility. Did you guys, (laughs) that's a pretty clean name for it. I mean, they're being killed, tortured. Some of them are being put in cells. Well, they're all being killed. Aggressively right? interrogated. Isn't that what the uh, newspaper I thought they were all being killed. Michael Caine's wife. Like, oh. Those were certain people. I thought those were people who were taken off the bus initially for some reason. Like, and then were just being like killed. Like the midwife because she yeah. was being uppity. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then they were they were just essentially just being killed, yeah. I thought. That's what I was saying. Like the the reveal is kind of like, oh, these people are lined up. They were taken off for some oh, reason. Oh, yeah. And I then they're what blown the away. Was. No, and then it's like, oh, now here's a group with hoods on. Oh, that's weird. I wonder why they have hoods on. They must be taking them somewhere secret or some crap. And then the next group of people is like in a ditch dead. Right, yeah. with the hoods on. Yeah. Yeah. Did the yeah. hoods remind you guys of anything? Abu Ghraib. Yep. Abu Ghraib. Yeah. Is um, that, when did this movie come out? 2006. This was totally oh, yeah. right influenced after, by right that, now. yeah. 
Also, did this movie remind you guys of my dad's paintings? Nope. I was not. like in any form of fashion. <laughs> really? Because there were like so I'm many. I'm looking at some of your dad's paintings at right now as Are we you? speak, and I am. I think your dad's not. paintings. I, I mostly think of cars. I don't hang any of the like yet. really brutal ones, so maybe uh, those ones I just like don't have in the house. But like, there are so many like you know paintings of like flaming cars in like a junked suburb with dudes with AKs. It's just like so much stuff of like guys with German shepherds that reminded me so much of my dad's of paintings. Yeah, huh? Maybe they all sell too fast. Stephen Lack tweeted at us. Yeah, but I thought that was one of the big things about this movie. Maybe that it was it was trying to accomplish is like, I don't know. I mean, we're all so kind of. Um, we see so much media, consume so much media about, you know, refugee camps and stuff that we start to become a little immune to it. But when you see it kind of like firsthand and when you see someone actually like bringing a baby into, you know, into life, like yeah. in one of these camps, you know, it's really very intense, right? Going into labor as you go into one of these camps. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it's intense in a, in a different way, I think. I, I, I agree totally, totally with Alan. And I just, I think it's that this movie, more than anything, so I want to sort of get my final thoughts in, uh, is that this is a reminder of what happens in the, in the Imperium. The Imperium of... Like of outside of, of the West, of the United States, of, of like what, what we deign to control outside of our country and we're very insulated from that like the war is really far beyond beyond arm's reach but it's a reminder that these things do exist somewhere and that they can come home yeah this nothing intrinsically prevents these things that i think are very well illustrated because i do think this is a very good depiction of what a war zone looks like not based on yeah. personal experience just based on the in the media that I've consumed that depicts war zones and yeah. and the like and refugee camps and what have you. Uh, but this could come home. This could be here. Well, yeah, okay. that's the terrifying that, thing. That is, is watching that happen like while we are not there immune are still to this. people working. There are still people with their penthouse mansions. There are still right, like society is still functioning in the middle of a war. But now it's literally at their doorstep. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. Instead of some faraway place where you don't well, it doesn't have a familiar sounding name. Yeah, but right. well, you know, like also Fallujah. It's kind Mosul, of awesome actually to think about. Like so it's a depiction like we have a a comfortable life, a comfortable Bagram. existence where we've sort of outsourced all that destruction, right? Like American Empire outsources that. Mm-hmm. Um and British Empire as well. So it's it's quite jarring to see it like in that context where here is yes. the functioning Britain and immediately you know, collinear adjacent to it, sharing its space is Warsaw. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I think this movie is, it's very, it's, it has a strong moralizing streak to it too, because um, the title children of men, right? Right. You guys looked yeah. it up, right? Psalm 90. No, I didn't. Um, Psalm 90 says something like, um, uh shit but uh, so yeah so to to jump to jump on what alan was saying before because on top of it sort of showing the degree to which all of these like that the war zone is close or that it's not so far away 
I think the movie, I, I don't know, maybe Alan, were you, what you were saying, and I don't want to sort of repeat what you were saying or tell you what you were saying, but but I, the impression that I got from it was it made me feel what it might be like to actually be on this bus. And it actually makes you yeah. empathize with a refugee camp in a way that seeing it on the news doesn't do. Yeah, and not only... <clears throat> and to see it, like, in, you know, what's one of the most uh, maybe sacred parts of someone's life or something. I don't want to say... You know, right? Like, where you're that actually moment. bringing someone into, into labor. And, I mean, you're having... You're in labor. You're... you're um, giving birth like yeah. and to have that happen immediately upon entry into this hellish place yeah is very jarring yeah yeah and again with the camera work where there's there's a long there i mean there's so many long tracking shots and that just serves to put you the viewer into the situation and make you feel as though the world around you is the world that you have to live in I think again serves to like further push you into that situation where you're like further ensconced. You are now incarcerated in this refugee camp. Yeah. Like when when they get yeah. pushed into the camp and you you see their friend get pulled off the bus and essentially killed, you're like, "Fuck, that's my friend. Fuck, this is my life yeah. now." To me, like that's one of the most terrifying thoughts of like that's what's so scary about authoritarianism. It's like, you know, you could just be going along and then suddenly they take you away and that's yeah. it that's the end of your story right. and there's no recourse there's no appealing to a higher authority there's no reasoning there's no nothing it's just that's what happened you're done you know that to me is like one of the most terrifying ideas that man has <laughs> conceived yeah that's i mean that's true and it's you're totally right Ugh. Raph, you want to read that psalm yeah raph you want to read from psalm 90 yeah, I mean that's that's an essential. I mean, what Sam is saying that's an essential component of totalitarianism. I mean, that's what totalitarianism. You mean is. that fear maintains yeah. control? Yeah, yeah, the fear yeah. keeps the state alive because it's like it's like really well, low level fear. Like yeah, you I mean it's 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 sort of like the idea, like the 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 removal of any any kind of guarantee of your of anything of any kind of like rational means of conducting your life. Like just believing that, you know, th there's nothing you can do to ensure your safety, and and not in the sense of like you're you're like out in the woods, you know, where there is a, a rhyme and a reason and a logic to uh, the ebb and flow of life in a state of nature. This is a uh, human imposed artificial terror and uncertainty and irrationality. Irrationality, yeah. exactly. The rationality that only that only a type that man can produce. So. Well, it's it's a lot like being in an abusive relationship, right? right. Yes. Where it's just like there yeah. is no normal, right? The it's just like you're in a state. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. You're in an abusive relationship with the state, but it's it's relatively a similar thing, right? Like you just like, you know, where going to the grocery store is like, uh oh, I dropped, you know, a penny on the ground. I didn't pick it up. My partner's going to look at the receipt and know that like this, pe what's going to happen? It's like that kind of that fear over. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I really. That's very specific example. Yeah, <laughs> it makes me kind of worried. But yeah, I, no. I mean, my life's together now. I finally. Uh, also, I just want to agree with something that somebody said about like the kind of you. realism with this in this movie, right? Like, it places you in this crazy, you know, uh, post-apocalyptic future where. You know things are so different in so many ways, but there's it's it's there's a lot of realism, right? Like the tracking shots is one thing, and it really places you in there, and and everything seems 
Like that's how it could be in that situation, right? That's how it would look. It's a really how familiar it world. Yeah. And and that's, I mean, when I walked out of this movie the first time when I saw it in theaters, I remember feeling like looking at the street and being like, it's not really very different from the world around us. Yeah. Like technology maybe has progressed a tiny bit. Like we, Yeah, but barely, you know, like the movie doesn't even really rely on like smartphones aren't a thing in the movie because they weren't a thing when the movie was made. Well, uh, there's like some weird devices and little computers and stuff. But no, this movie came out in 2006. There were no, I mean, I guess Blackberries, but. Yeah, so Raph, do you want to set up, because you basically were talking about, or you wanted to talk about the the title of this movie coming from Psalm 90. Yeah, I mean, there's like, there's a ton of uh, biblical allegory in here. Like, like a ton. You could We could spend the whole other episode, I think, talking about it. But, you know, basically, <laughs> we don't have to. Uh, what it comes down to, yeah, the title. Children. Well, first of all, this is taken from, this is the same title as a novel by P.D. James. I think we mentioned that. Yeah, this is an adaptation um, of that novel. Yeah, which I think has even more, which I haven't read, but apparently has even more uh, Christian content to it. But it comes from Psalm 90. Um, the line from the King James Version uh it's verse three. It says, "Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men." This is a, "Thou is the Lord," to Psalm. It's addressed okay. to God. It yeah, yeah. Needs to be, needs to be said. So, return, uh, return, ye children of men. Um, so it's basically about getting us to turn away from violence. Yeah, but th- th- who are the the children of men? I mean, like you, we are all children of men. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we share. There's only one race, the human race, but actually we share yeah, humanity. You goddamn right. And it's like you know, t- turn to destruction and 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 return. But you know, th- this is this is uh, uh, this is what God wants us to do. Yeah. Die. According, according to the according <laughs> to the writer of, of the Psalms, is to turn away from destruction, beat our swords into plowshares. Yeah. Um, isn't that like you know, kind of profound? It's even though it's not like a groundbreaking idea, just like the combination of you know, uh, we're gonna reap what we sow in terms of our relation as nation states to other peoples who we decide you know you're 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 on that side of the border. You are not my uh, cohort. You are not my brother or my sister. You are different. We're nation states, and we're that's it, and we're different. Yeah. Like that, that gets you to bad places, I think is what this movie is trying to remind us of. Yeah. I mean, this movie has a lot of, I also, there's, there's a ton of obviously feminist text in this movie, although there, there are like no female roles in the movie. There's Key, there's Julianne Moore's character, Jules, and there's, she dies the, pretty and there's early. the midwife, right. And, and Jules dies pretty early and she's not. I, she's not a terribly interesting character. Like I, th- I think that yeah. her writing is not the writing, or you know, whoever wrote her script was not very interesting. It's not even that much development, right? I mean, yeah, she it's like she and early. Clive Owen had a kid together that died. But I don't think there's a ton of character development. Full stop yeah. in this movie. Yeah. I just don't think yeah. that this, that's what this movie is. I actually kind of love that. It's yeah. it's fa- it's fable like. It's a fable. Yeah. Yeah. There's so not character development, and there's not an inordinate amount of exposition so should we push through to the end because let's so after key gives birth to the baby uh a fight breaks out within the within the i keep calling it a concentration camp which it is but it's a refugee camp just call it a fucking concentration camp dude it's a fucking nightmare so uh, 
a battle breaks out within the camp because the fishes have broken in, ostensibly to get the baby. Um, oh, is that what happened? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh. And they broke a... They, they blew up a, a they part of a wall, They blow up a wall right? in the fence, and the government decides that they're going to liquidate. And we learn this from one of the guards who comes in and tries to abduct the baby, who they have to kill in a pretty hardcore, brutal way. And in the middle of fighting with this guard, Clive Owen gets shot. So this leads to, to me, probably the most interesting and most profound scene in the movie, which is almost a five-and-a-half-minute-long tracking shot yeah. of Clive Owen and Key that's, and yeah, that's the very baby walking th- like through a battle zone between the fishes and the government who are about to liquidate the, the camp. And it's just like people shooting each other, and they finally manage to kind of like get the baby and they're walking out and it's just like the war kind of stops for a second which like when i yeah. saw this in theaters it was profound i don't what did you guys think to I me mean, that was the whole movie like that scene yeah. was like there it sums up the whole point of the movie right is that like there's chaos everywhere and and because all anybody wants is to hear the cry of a child yeah everybody's gone totally right. not so because there are no children left and then you introduce a single child and everybody's like short-circuited back to yeah. reality kind of. And they all just shut off. And then when she passes, you know, out of the scene and out of earshot. They're entranced. They go back. Yeah, yeah they, they go back trans- to each other away. It's like the away. only thing that they, that they care about. It's like right. the only thing that they, that they ever really cared about, right? And, yeah. And, and as soon as they see, th- they see this baby, they don't care about anything else, including their own lives. Like right. people are basically acting as human shields yeah for this baby and some of them are are, are dying and being shot yeah and and no and you know they don't care nobody nobody's trying to defend themselves or anything all they care about is this baby yeah which actually that made me think a lot about like what's happening now with the climate change movement um like greta thunberg and stuff and how like you know there's a we're staring down the barrel of a gun right and the people a little older than us. I mean, I don't mean to make a blanket statement, but I think a lot of people don't haven't absorbed the immediacy, right, of what's coming down the pike. Yeah. Right. Whereas the the younger you are, the more urgent it seems, right? And so the the ones among us that are a little older seem to be entranced, like, oh, everything's gonna end, whatever, I'll just continue my life. You know, I've heard people make the argument that this is res- partly responsible for the increase in suicide rates. You might argue it's responsible partly for the rise of fascism around the world, or at least for the softening of people's minds to allow that rise, right? Um, I think, and so while I was watching the movie last week, which P.S. is the longest I've spent between watching a movie and doing a taping, um, I was thinking about that a lot, about how, like, this... You know, how does that, what does that do to the mind? Like impending finality. Like, oh, we have no future. There isn't anything left for us to do. So what do we do? You know? Yeah. It's, it, that, I, it's an incredible, like, thought experiment that is at the center of the plot of this movie, which and is exactly that. Is now is, is that just like faced with the, the end of the human race? 
what happens and it, it basically just goes off the fucking rails like that's yeah. yeah if there's no future we we if there's no point in morality if there's no point in justice and in fairness and equality like this this is what you get is that you get this um and i i think that there's times when you know we have approached that in history i mean it's like it's not really um that we've approached history's end before but that we <laughs> we've 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 glimpsed this enough Isn't which that sort like of a thing which, Fukush- fukushima or like end of history oh yeah that's well, a different yeah. thing though that was a more that was maybe a, a more positive rendition yeah that's the <laughs> 80s I mean, the end, end of history like the the i mean yeah, the, we the, don't the end the end of things happening that by d- done by humans um <laughs> well this is, i mean it's like <laughs> totally we, we've we've glimpsed this like this 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 assembles a lot of different ideas and tropes that we've glimpsed before i mean this is very very much like we've done some movies before this uh, i think alien really comes to mind which is a movie of the vietnam era that kind of like shadowy government paranoia and then this is a movie of the Iraq war era. Yeah, hard. Very, very much so. Not just in terms of the ob- the, the more obvious symbolism like of the Abu optics Ghraim, of it. Yeah. yeah, Not just the way it looks and feels, but in what the feeling that's underneath is that there is this, this insane cruelty, this insane pointless cruelty that we are just speeding towards, that um, we just have this innate capacity to ruthlessly destroy ourselves and others that and we have almost no ability to put the brakes on it and a cataclysmic precipitating event like something as kind of strange as no more babies being born just rips the fucking rug out from under us and just gets us there that much faster yeah and i feel like the sentiment that comes out of our experience of the iraq war i think for you know living breathing thinking people not you know like Fox News slugs, but like actual people <laughs> with fucking souls. Bazinga. Um, yeah, Bazinga. Bazinga. Uh, actual people with fucking souls is like, this is this is horrifying. Like, how did this fucking happen? And it was a war of choice and it was incredibly destructive and it, it, it countless thousands of people, uh, I don't know what, hundreds, hundreds, of, of, thousands. hundreds of thousands of people died. 30,000, whatever it is. I think it's more than that, if you count civilians. 300,000? I don't know. I don't even remember. Sorry. You have to go on Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, But but it's it's more that that's the feeling um, of, you know, that that there's a cataclysm always around around the corner. Yeah. And and that (laughs) that it's basically like three inches from who we are right now. Like, again, if... If sci-fi is a, a sort of holding up a hyperbolic mirror to ourselves to show us sort of some of the ways in which we can go off the rails, this is the closest to a true mirror that I see, and it that's feels what's the most fucking chilling. Now. It's very chilling. But it felt that way when I. So just we, as a, we don't. The thing I like about this. Sorry to keep interrupting. <laughs> no, please. The thing I like about this kind of sci-fi, we don't even fucking get to space. We shit the bed here. <laughs> yeah. We fuck this up and we're dead. I think that's the most likely future of any of the ones that we've talked about. Here. Well, I mean, you oh know, God, I you believe. fucking we're talking, nihilistic we're talking, pricks. No, dude, were you here for the, um, uh, what's it called? The Interstellar episode? Yeah, we yeah. were all in the Interstellar yeah. episode. Yeah, we got... There's yeah, we got that on tape. Single digits. Single yeah. digits. Yeah. Raph human generations. Left on the surface of the earth. 
Yeah, we're not going anywhere. In Raf's editorial opinion. I don't think we're going anywhere. And I think we're done in single-digit generations. Like, end of story, period. I am slightly <laughs> more optimistic. I mean, I don't think we're right done. I don't know what would completely do us in as a civilization. I mean, don't forget that, like, under a population of a few hundred thousand, it's the same as what Raf's saying. Yeah. What do you it mean gets it's the same? Like because the we genetic diversity yeah. gets low uh, enough. Oh, that's one thing. Done, like bottlenecks for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, I mean, like, it's 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 easy to, if you have, like, an endangered species, if humans become an endangered species, which is itself not so improbable if the, um, everything that the, cl- the climate science says is going to happen, happens. And we're talking about, like, you know, three, 200, 300 years. Um, and then you get down to, like, oh, there's only... 50,000 human beings left. It's not so easy to keep that number. Yeah, I think know. the only solution is just we all start throwing our semen into space. Panspermia. Again yes, panspermia. with space. <laughs> Sam loves throwing his semen around. Yeah. Trying to get to space. That would be His like neighbors good, keep complaining. That would be a good cartoon <laughs> of like... <laughs> 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 My fucking windows, Sam. <laughs> oh, like, oh, God. Get an actual rocket technician. To <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, working on God. muscle control. What? So should we... So the the very end of the movie is Clive Owen, Key, and the baby escape... On a boat. On a rowboat. A rowboat. And make it out to the rendezvous with what we assume is the human project as the refugee camp is being bombed by the government, right? I mean, is that... That's the end of the movie. The end of the movie is is Clive Owen bleeding to death and he dies on the robot. It's pretty implied. Do we know he dies? Yeah. Key key is sort of like, oh, and I don't know, the the way that the the rowboat in the fog and we get... So this whole movie is really, really claustrophobic and it's one of the first times that you get a sense of something much bigger than the characters. Like the the rowboat in the sea, I thought the rowboat is very small, and I, that that to me was really special. Ro- rowboat house, yeah, that's yeah. Right, that's right. Um, yeah, and is it was there? I mean, over the end, you hear the sound of uh, children. I mean, playing. but Raph, you yeah. said something so, when we were starting about. Well, it's not. It's ambiguous if that's actually the human project. It's ambiguous if they're actually good. It's ambiguous what they're doing. Yeah. Well, we don't yeah. know. Right. We just don't know. And this but is like the the being there principle. But did I, I think, talk about this? Yeah, I you did. What we know is what we see. We and can that's only know it. what we see. But, and but, it, that's part of the art. Many but times. we also know that it was written, <laughs> right? And and so therefore we have to assume there was some intent, right, in writing it, some conclusion that's meant to be drawn, right? So I would argue that the the name of the boat alone is enough for you to know that the end of the movie is positive. Yeah, the right? boat is called the Tomorrow. But the children playing is what makes you know that the end of the oh, movie is positive, right? Yeah. The sound of the children playing. Yeah. In fact, I didn't like that as an ending that much. I thought it was too optimistic. Oh, God, you like guys. Like, they should have drowned. <laughs> no, I thought better. it was just... Should have been children crying. <laughs> I'm not saying it's too optimistic <laughs> for, like, our future. Jandek. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just saying it was too optimistic. Like, oh, there wasn't it was enough. Just an optimi- yeah, there maybe. was enough loss in the movie already, so you <laughs> wanted more at the end? Yeah. yeah. I, well, I, I like movies. I don't know. I would rather it ended more vaguely. No, or like I everyone in a blender. That would have been better for you. Yeah. Yes. That's Sam. the ideal ending. Fools dwell in the house of mirth, whereas wise men dwell in the house of sorrow. 
<laughs> and awesome dudes listen to House of Pain. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh uh, I was, was going to say why dudes dwell in the house of girth. That's pretty yeah. good too. Oh. The fucking rad dwell in the house of Bill, but the tubular dwell in the house of Ted. <laughs> God, good shit. Oh shit. That's pretty good. It's a solid I heard goal. they're making um, a third Bill and Ted movie. They are. I'm so Speaking excited. Speaking of things that, uh, I don't Keanu? know. Alejandro yeah. Hodorowski's yeah. Bill and Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, I have to go on Twitter real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet it from Robot House. So one of the big things that we've been talking about doing on the show is kind of cultivating our editorial standpoint or point of view on a lot of the sort of big themes and big ideas in science fiction. Um, yeah, what? Why? why does, yeah, why? Why do we do that? Why? Alan, why do you we have care? already opted out? You don't have <laughs> to make the point again. Of what? Like you've already opted out of agreeing with our group editorial stance. In the last episode we recorded together. Really? Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> really? Did yeah. I make that up? No, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember. Yeah. I it's can't remember either. All right, well, let yeah. the record show that Alan is... The views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of anybody. <laughs> of Alan. <laughs> it's just weird when you say it explicitly. Well, like, we should have an opinion. I, I, I don't know. Is that... <laughs> it's well, it's just sort of like... Warning. Opinions. <laughs> I, I think... Isn't that part of the purpose of the show? Is yeah, but like, it's weird to say it explicitly. Don't you think? I guess. It's too late now. Hey, guys, it's time. It's opinion time. Yeah, welcome to Opinion Corner <laughs> with Jolly Opinion. I feel ways about stuff, and you're going to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Sit your butt down, because it's opinion time. Yay! <laughs> oh, God. Okay, that was the best part of the podcast. Okay. I thought that I wasn't allowed to do voices anymore. So part of the idea of us wanting to establish, or me wanting to establish an editorial point of view for the show. Yeah. So the reason that I thought we should have a collective set of opinions is because, I don't know, I I thought that it would be interesting with at least most of the smartest people I know. Obviously, Carolyn is way smarter than all you guys put together, but... um, no, but I I guess I just thought that, like what what would our minds be if we pulled them together and actually put them towards considering some of these very large questions. And Ch- sci-fi I think Children is, of Men is a pretty good illustration of what would happen. Yeah, and and that's to me I thought that like this was such a chilling and perfectly like <laughs> presented like yeah, this would happen next week, right? It's like if some apocalyptic type event happened, this is kind of in the neighborhood of it. And I guess it's not that far off from something like Mouse or something like that where you just, you can't trust anyone, everything's going to shit, people are dying for absolutely no reason. Um, but, so what What was we're, the question? We're, we're in the water park and it's all in the tunnels, you know, it's the part where there's like the closed uh, plastic tunnels and then there's a long slide at the end into the pool and you can see it coming from a long ways away and this movie is the pool. Yeah. I mean, How'd that, how's that matter? Or uh, arguably, it's like the the pool is like the, the silence that happens after this movie. Um, but what was the question, Alan? I think there were two things. So one was post-apocalyptic movies. What would cause the apocalypse in our opinion and what could we withstand as a civilization? And then another one was this movie is a pretty compelling vision of a post-apocalyptic world that could happen quickly. Is it, is it the way we see things going? So those are pretty related I got a questions. Thought. Okay, yeah, go for it. And I've I've wondered about this a lot, actually. Like, these kinds of movies, I don't know if you guys... Well, that doesn't matter. Um, 
I always wonder, like, why don't we ever see movies about, like, after the apocalypse, the people that go and live quiet lives in the mountains? You know? Like, obviously, it's not, it wouldn't movie. be an interesting it's story. It's not a compelling story. It's not a compelling story. But, like, realistically, I'm pretty sure that's what I would do. I wouldn't stick around New York and, like, hope that the gangs yeah. don't eat me. Yeah, I hope I that like Obama that gets his health care. There could be an interesting story. That sounds I mean, I cool to me. I didn't see it, but I guess, like, what's it called? Silent Place? Is that the one? The quiet, a Quiet the qu- Place? A Quiet Place? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's essentially what that movie's about, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's dramatized through aliens. We'll do it on the show. Um, it, You know, if your imagination is good enough, you could you could make that happen. Like, you could, like, <laughs> turn a story that's just about somebody lives in the woods <laughs> you know <laughs> that's like, what hatchet's about actually yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. another side of the mountain oh my god another or mountain, or you yeah. could have children bring them to the woods and tell them there was the apocalypse and raise them there i'm fairly certain that that has occurred that's occurring right now <laughs> if yeah. you're listeners if you grew up in that kind of a situation maybe in like western idaho eastern oregon kind of scenario tweet at us <laughs> we'd so, love to find out what, that's sort of what the village is yeah right? yeah yeah. No, but even then, like, I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of people would do that. I, w- I feel like a lot of people would die. The mountain's getting crowded. Maybe that's the conflict. Well, yeah, and, and part of it is mm-hmm. is just that, like. Yeah, that would make a good movie. Well, yeah, also, right. part of it is you peace out to the mountains, right? You and Sophie. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, Sophie gets sick and you need antibiotics. Yeah, and the, she dies. That is the. F- that yeah, is the that is the village. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then. Okay. Then. Then. <laughs> that is literally. Then. The okay. Then. Then you die. What does Sophie do? Is she just going to chill there? Well, no. I'm not saying like we would go off and have like a, a utopian life in the woods. I'm just saying. Bring surely that condoms. Life, you starve to well, death. Well, if there was no fertility issues, I realistically, you starve to death. Well, I mean, that would depend on how prepared you were. I'm just saying, like, I would much rather die of hunger in the woods than live in New York with like roving gangs of rabid idiots trying to kill me, right? I stayed in so a prepper not, house. You don't want to live time. in New York in the seventies. Exactly. <laughs> I stayed in a prepper house one time. Yeah. In Columbus, Ohio. How was it? Weird. This kind of relates to my round table, but like to get back, what do you think would cause the world to sort of I think Yeah, I mean I think that could be a good round table. I don't know what your round table is. What's the most li- what's the most likely apocalypse? Well, or just like yeah, what yeah, what do we see do wh- where like? do we see civilization in one hundred, two hundred, three hundred years? Something like that. Like, do we think there's gonna be a catastrophe that wipes us out? Uh, you know, or some of us. What are the likely scenarios for that? Well, you guys know what I think. Yeah, Raph thinks that humanity is doomed. As actually, Alan, you do too, right? Yeah. Alan thinks civilization is doomed. You, yeah, what? Alan thinks civilization is doomed, is not said? humanity. Yeah, I don't. I don't think everyone's gonna die. <laughs> I I think it's unlikely. But I guess yeah, maybe if you don't have enough genetic diversity, then it happens eventually. But but yeah, I, I think they're. Yeah, I just intuitively kind of think that there's too many things that can like wipe out a lot of people hmm. in, you know. Well, then why the, hasn't it happened? Well, a lot of them are fairly new, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the main Like reason. climate change or? Like climate change is one, yeah, so that's me, a big one. But Climate like, change to me, like the danger, obviously there's the danger of sea level rise and temperature change, but like 
the thing that could actually destroy us all is the wars that are going to happen as a result of those things, right? It's not directly sea level rise that's mm. going to destroy human civilization. If anything, it's going to be crop the water failure, wars, crop lack failure. of water. Yeah. yeah. Because it's not just about, if, if there's a single foot of sea level rise, we're talking about a complete change in the way that like agriculture across the world would work because right. weather patterns change yeah. dramatically. You have, also, you have some enormous percentage effects. of people who live near the ocean. Well, yeah, yeah. On t- that's like that's like the nuts and bolts kind of bottom end. But then there's this right. other, right. and to me, the much more terrifying thing is is agriculture. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so sh- I got a roundtable for you guys. Let's right. hear it if Let's you want it. it. Which actually kind of relates to the whole thing, which is. What job do you think you guys would have in a post-apocalyptic world? Oh, fuck you. I have those skills. The guy in the basement fixing things. Yeah, I mean, Sam was the only one I thought of who would actually functionally be okay. I was like, corpse. I have asthma. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, but I mean, if society fell to pieces, your asthma would probably go away. Because it's probably largely particulates. Yeah, that's probably true, actually. Um, I mean, I have and an GMO answer. Crops. I think now I, I didn't think about it before. I have a somewhat of an answer for myself, but I, I was interested in what you guys thought. Like, have you ever thought about this? Like what I you, have. I'd be a vaccine hoarder. <laughs> 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 no, I'd, I'd be a know, land baron. <laughs> I mean, yeah, how rich, would you? <laughs> I'd be a rich king. <laughs> yeah. How would you keep I'd your be a wealthy noble? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd be a fucking soldier. I mean, they'd, really I'd be killing it shit. Yeah, yeah I not? guess you have really good eyesight. You'd, I you'd, do. I'd be a good sniper. Yeah. I have 2010 vision. That's true. All right. It's pretty good. Noted. Wow. Wait, so, like, you would, like, enlist? Is what you're saying? He would work oh, for the whoever the local fucking yeah. warlord was. Yeah. Shooting peasants <laughs> and uh, collecting pheasants. No, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd organize and, and fight with the people's army. You'd be a rebel. <laughs> You'd be a rebel, not a soldier. Like, soldier Fine. is part of what you're talking about. Yeah, I'd yeah. be a fighter. Right. Okay. A fighter for what, though? The world has ended. There's no civil... Civilization has collapsed. Against tyranny. So yeah, you guys, against, you would... So you would be somebody who is working to rebuild civilization or society through some kind of yeah, violence. Yeah, well, You no would shit. not be a, a, a reading tutor after yeah. the apocalypse. No, I would fucking not... I, part of me feels as though my job now is post-apocalyptic, where it's like, yeah, I had a life plan. I had all of those goals arranged. That all got fucked. So your now job I'm late, really your job is late capitalistic is yeah, what it is. Exactly. Um, it's like the opposite of what we're talking about. Yeah, basically. Yeah, my, my job was something much better than what I do, and I was sort of like, oh, Everything God. about your job is surplus value. Yeah, it's listen, Every you don't have to tell it. me. Why do you think we're doing this podcast? I'm trying to fucking escape, That's all right? Point. This is also so, surplus oh, value. Are right? we now creating utility? Is that what we're doing? Yes. I didn't know. We're telling people what they should do. We're job counselors actually, in the apocalypse. Actually, you know what? I'm pretty sure Karl Marx never saw this level of like anti-productiveness coming. Yeah. It's like well, I no, actually, that's a that's a no. Karl Marx a few totally foresaw like, this. We're not workers anymore. Yeah, the whole idea of the of the workers rising up, yeah, you're right. Ignores the idea that maybe there won't be enough workers. I just thought about at how a certain dumb this, point. Hang on, hang on, guys. <laughs> that's all I was saying. I, I thought <laughs> that, trying to make a point about dialectical materialism. Right, that's cool. Alan, what would you do? I think I have the same answer as Sam. I would like build things. Yeah, I took a machining class. Yeah, in grad school. Yeah. All right, I Fix know how to. I know how to do useful. stuff. I, I 
a TH circuits lab. I know how to solder things and, and whatnot. You, I agree with you, Asher. I think you probably plots. <laughs> like yeah. Pretty, well, first of all, yeah. Like, like if you couldn't hail a cab on Bowery, <laughs> done. Like, no, oh God. I think I was I was thinking about it because I was like, I think I would probably be like Troubadour or something along those lines. That's not the worst idea. Yeah, I was like, I think I could probably figure out a way to like entertain people and make them feel good enough, you know, that they like kept me around one thing while post apocalyptic <laughs> societies are known for they're wandering bards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's I was sort of like, it's too bad we lost the uh, reverence for the bard. Uh, for, yeah, know? I like, know. I think that is actually a fairly important role in society. Right? Yeah. Like I'm entertaining re- and disseminating news. So should we throw it to endorsements? Yeah. No. Can. Wait, are we done? I thought. Let's just keep. I, we I don't know. Let's keep talking. I also, I also thought that I could probably hustle people like on a religious tip as well. Like, oh, yeah. You'd be a good cult leader. Yeah, exactly. Sure, yeah. I think that's probably where my. No, you wouldn't. Oh my god! Really? Are you ki- you'd be a terrible. Well, you're, cult you're assuming okay, that listen. his followers would be like halfway intelligent. No, guys, I'm not. I also oh, regret okay. to inform you that you have like I've I've suckered you guys into doing this, right? Yeah, this is exactly. <laughs> that is like a, a really cult. good point, yeah. actually. Yeah. Is it? Okay. You did sucker me into doing this. Yeah. But is this a cult? No, it's not a cult, but but, but he can be convincing about things. I know. Is the point. Yeah. I mean, I'm just here because I like hanging out with you guys. So. All right, should we throw it to endorsements? No. Oh, why not? Why nah. Not? What is your endorsement? Come on, make a snappy. Basically, my endorsement this week is a t-shirt shop in my neighborhood called City Fun, and they they basically sell like official merch for bands that have been broken up for decades, but it's all like officially licensed. Like they, you can get like a Galaxy Five Hundred shirt that was pressed by Whoa. Damon. I know it's crazy. That sounds awesome. Yeah, exactly. Get that shirt. I know. I went there to get a David Bowie shirt for Carolyn for her birthday and I was like, holy shit. They have like new order shirts that are like, it's basically like new old stock almost where they took. It's not used. It's not used, but all of the designs are vintage designs that have been repressed on new shirts. But also the shirts are like good cut. They sell like good quality t-shirts. Where is this place? It's on First Avenue between 3rd and 4th Street. Hmm. Or it might be between Second and Third Street. It's called City Which Fun. Which is it, Asher? I think it's on First Avenue between Second and Third Street. It's cool. called City Fun. It's such a cool store, and uh, I just I don't see them doing enough business to stay in. But yeah, I hope that they do because they're awesome. Cool, Go check I'll it out. check that out. Yeah, yeah. Raf. <laughs> Raf checked out. I, I I ain't got shit. Sorry, Alan. Um. I was listening to this podcast called Hollywood Masterclass. Oh, yeah. Have you heard of it? Yeah, it's a script writing class. Uh, no. No? Oh. It's a joke. Oh, I haven't podcast. seen it. heard it. It's, yeah. It's like um, Sean Clements is a comedian who um, pretends... To, well, the, the, the idea of the show is that he's teaching Bang, uh, another comedian called Bang Rajman how to... Uh, or <laughs> His real name is Ben Rogers, but they call him Bang Rajman on the show. And about how to uh, write scripts and and direct, and uh, all of his advice is terrible, <laughs> and he's completely not self aware. Um, and Wait, he has this is not a joke. No, no, no. It's it's a joke. Like but he's he playing know. a character. Oh, he is. He's so. playing a character. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's pretty hilarious, especially like the last couple episodes where he just completely unravels <laughs> and like it just starts to go crazy. That's great. Yeah, sounds good. I actually have one this week. Yeah? What do you got? 
Yeah. Uh, my new friend, uh, Tim, who is uh, Caitlin's new beau. Oh, nice. Um, turned me on to this podcast uh, called 20,000 Hertz. Have you guys heard of this? No. It's like vaguely about sound production and sound design, but I've only listened to one episode. It was about the history of touchtone phones. It's really interesting. Oh, cool. And fun. Yeah. Sounds dumb. Yeah, well. I'm going to tip my hat to, to dogs. <laughs> I'm especially um, the friend of the friend of the show, Adam's How- Adam Howard's dog, Gizmo. Oh. Gizmo is a sweet pup. Uh, she is on my Twitter feed. That's my Very favorite cute. name we for did a pet. We did her uh, tarot at a party. Oh, I saw those. What's her pictures. What's her birth card or whatever? No, her, I don't remember, but it, it was very good. She was a very good girl. Cool. Did it, does it look good for Gizmo? Look, it's looking pretty fucking good for Gizmo. Nice. <laughs> a lot of bones in her future. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Asher Lack. I'm at, what is it, Case of Piles? I almost forgot there. For I'm at... Highly affiligent. I might have a cool penis. And you can follow the show at Robot House Pod, and it's spelled H A U S. All right. Thanks so much Wait, for tuning in, guys. Did you say your Twitter handle? Oh, I'm at Asher Lack. I think I said it already. All right. Later, guys. Thanks Bye. so much. Bye. Bye.